You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. Today, my guest is John Lundell, an old friend and a leader in the Corville community. John is the mayor of the city of Corville and has some stories to share about being a firefighter, a woodworker, and a good friend of Joe Biden. At the um, uh, victory party on election night, my phone went off and it, the, it said unknown caller. So I, I stepped outside <laughs> because I couldn't hear in there. And, and I said, this is John. And he said, well, John, this is Vice President Biden, Joe Biden. Congratulations. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. Well, it's great to have uh, John Lindell here today. Uh, John is sort of a friend and a celebrity. Uh, I've known John for many years, and as most people know, John is the mayor of the city of Coralville and has been. And so, uh, John, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Tom. Um, I'm in good company if I'm a celebrity. Uh, you're a super slug. <laughs> well, not, not to hurt your feelings, but you're sort of what I call a lame duck, as I understand that <laughs> yes, political theory. That would be accurate. You are the mayor, but you're, you are run out of time. So, Timmy, you're, you're, you're stepping down, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, my term is up at the end of this year, calendar year, so it'll be. Uh, I have an extra reason to have a New Year's Eve party. I not, see. Not, not just a celebration of the of the year, but a celebration of my term. Um, it's been a great run of eight years as mayor of Coralville, and uh, previous to that, ten years on the city council. So uh, a lot has changed during that time, and I've really enjoyed it. But it's time to let someone else take the reins. Well, that's great. And I guess also uh, one of one of your goals was you were being a long time to. River Landing area, you're developing that, and then with the arena, trying to get that thing done and open, and that's that's been accomplished, right? Yeah, we've <laughs> wow, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of activity, and you know, one thing I've learned throughout this process is patience, because you know, we've been at this. I was first elected on the council in 2003, and my opponent that was running against me, um, his. His sole issue uh, basically was to stop the hotel from being built and felt, felt like the city shouldn't be involved in the construction of the hotel and conference center. So, you know, that's uh, 18 years ago. So it's been a it's been quite a, a haul since then. And we built the hotel, you know, and it was obviously successful. But that was the only thing down there, basically. And now look today, you know, with Von Maurer, Trader Joe's, beautiful health care facility. As you mentioned, the newly yeah. opened arena. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. No, it is. That's uh because if, you, if you're old like me, I remember way back in the old days, it was not a very desirable area. And it was sort of the entrance to the city. So that, that's it's, right. It's a remarkable change. It was, you know, it, I always call it the gateway to the city. And if you could design a more unattractive uh, first impression, <laughs> that's what Corville was to start with. And, right. and their credit really goes back to... Um, to Kelly Hayworth's early days back mm. in 88, and my wife was on the council back then as well, they did some um, community um, uh, forums, and they asked the community, what's the highest priorities that you'd like to see the city undertake? And that rose to the top as they wanted to improve the looks of the gateway into the community, and that's what we accomplished. No, it's exciting. And with the Staybridge Hotel now being open too, and mm. I know the, I think, uh, 
Matt Swift, Nate Keating, they're doing a, a restaurant in the arena building, right? They'll yes. Open up this, yeah. this winter, right? Yep, the Athletic Club it's Athlete, going to be yeah, called. Athletic Club, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic, and there's a lot of new housing down in the River Landing as well. Uh, Mike Hodge has uh, built some beautiful buildings down there yep. and latitude uh, development, yep. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And we're going to have ice hockey in October, is that right? That's right. The Iowa Heartlanders, a professional hockey team, part of the ECHL League. Yeah. Um, their first game is on October 22nd. Okay, well, I marked that down my calendar, too. Right. Well, good. Well, tell me about your, uh, your, your work history. Uh, you were telling me a few minutes ago you started in Iowa City, but now, now you went to the University of Iowa, right? Tell that, us that, yeah, that. that's right. Well, my, I graduated, um, grew up in Fort Dodge. Came down here and went to school. I'm a third-generation Hawkeye. Father and grandfather graduated from here as well, along with my sister, my brother, and my uncles. It was wow. Needless to say, I was the only place I applied to go to college at. <laughs> right. And uh, so I went through and received a, a, a Bachelor of Science and Master's of Arts degrees from Iowa in, in um, geography with an emphasis on transportation planning. Uh, and so my first job back in 1978 was in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, You're kidding. No. I didn't I, know that. Yeah. I, uh, um, I'd lived in Iowa all my life, um, and I loved Iowa, but I thought I was young and single, and now was the time to go out and explore some other part of this great country. And so I, uh, my first job interview was in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and, and uh, I finished my comprehensive exams on Friday. Uh, I flew, partied on Saturday, <laughs> cleaned myself on Sunday, and flew to Parkersburg, interviewed on Monday, and they offered me the job. And I said, well, I think we ought to take this. So I, yeah. I started out there in the fall of 78, and was there for about a year and a half, and um, then moved back and started my career here in Johnson County in February of 1980. Okay. And started as the Director of Transportation Planning for the Council of Governments here. We had just become an urbanized area. As a result of the 1980 census, Iowa City went over 50,000, so that, that classified us as an urban area, which uh, brought on additional um, transportation planning requirements for the streets and the transit systems. And I had that experience out in Parkersburg, so I was able to bring that here. And so I did that for about six years, uh, director of transportation planning. And then the director of the Iowa City bus system, transit system, announced he was moving to California. And um, I didn't think much about that. And then um, one Wednesday morning, I was at my office, and then Mayor John McDonald, uh, oh, yeah. a great, great man, yep. great guy. We've lost him now several years ago. But John, Mayor McDonald, called me, and he says, John, um, the council went out for a couple beers after the meeting last <laughs> night, and uh, we talked about the, who should be our next transit manager, and we all thought that you should apply. And I thought, well, that's quite an honor. If I'm going to be uh, endorsed by the council, I guess maybe that means I should take it. And right. It would be a promotion, be to a department head level. And so that was just as Neil Berlin, a longtime city manager sure, back yep. then, was just leaving to go to Colorado. So one of the last things he did before he left town was to appoint me transit director. So I did that for eight years, and um, that was uh, a good experience as well. And then uh, in, uh, let's see, when was that? In about 1992, I think, or 94 maybe, I left and did a career change and went into public health. And I spent 22 years in the College of Public Health in a, as a deputy director of an injury prevention center where we try and keep people safe. Yeah, I remember that, that story, yeah. Well, great. So you, you now you're retired officially from working, and now you'll step down as the mayor and enjoy life. 
Yep, I, that, that's the that's the goal. Although there's always uh, lots of other opportunities out there, so oh, yeah. we'll see. So, now I saw your some pictures. You have a, a it's like a little summer home up in uh, is it Big Spirit Lake? Is that right? That's right. Um, just a year ago now, last August, uh, in the middle of the the true COVID uh, period, um, it was it was just fate on a on a Friday night. I, uh, I was looking out my windows of our home in Coralville, and we have uh, woods behind our home, and I said, that's beautiful. I thought to myself, that's beautiful, but I wished I was looking at a lake instead. And, and I, I, we had vacationed on Big Spirit Lake as a family growing up in Fort Dodge. My father would take three weeks off. He was a realtor, and we would rent the same cottage for three weeks. And um, I developed some friendships that I still have today from the, back in those days. So I, for fun, I kicked a, sent off an email to a friend of mine at Big Spirit and, and asked her, I said, you know, uh, would there happen to be any places available for sale that you know of? In particular, I asked about the cottage that we always rented. And she was online, and she wrote me right back and said, no, John, she says, uh, those people use it. They don't want to sell, I'm quite sure. Uh, really, is nothing available. I thought, well, that's okay. You know, that's a crazy, crazy, crazy idea. Right. Well, 30 minutes later, she writes me back and says her husband reminded her of an estate that's going up for sale just about seven doors down of this two-bedroom cottage. And she knew the family, so on Saturday, she contacted them and found the name of the realtor they were dealing with. And I sent the realtor a, uh, an email late on Saturday night, and she wrote me back even later on Saturday night and said that they were going to list it tomorrow, which was a Sunday. <laughs> Wow. And so she called me on Sunday and told me it was listed and gave me the website and all the photos. And we looked at that and we liked it. And uh, so we called her back and I'd already looked at my calendar um, and said, boy, we need to get up and see it. But I, I don't think I can come up till Thursday because it was a busy week. We had a city sure. council meeting and so forth. And she said, well, that's fine. But, you know, I can't hold it till Thursday. This was Sunday. And I said, no, okay, well, so we just kind of left it at that. Well, then a couple hours later on Sunday, she calls me back and she says, John, no pressure, but you should know there's already two appointments scheduled for today, showings today, and two more tomorrow. And, <laughs> and basically telling me it's not going to be around if we wait right. till Thursday. Yeah. You know? So we arranged things and went up on Monday and made an offer and bought it. So from Friday to Monday, from a dream of looking out my window to, to Monday, we owned it. So, right. But to clarify that, you're not moving. This no, is no. This summer is place. strictly summer. We yeah. love we love Coralville and yeah. we love our home in Coralville. So. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, one thing I noticed, too, uh, uh, you're like a woodworker, right? You, you have some hobbies. You, you make things like tables and chairs and what? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've always been a, a woodworker. Um, kind of took after my dad, who was a handyman as well. And, and um, we, when we bought the home we live in now on Holiday Road, it has a beautiful space for a workshop. So I quickly acquired more and more tools. We moved in there in 1993. And, um, yeah, I've made a, a lot of furniture um, throughout the home, bedroom sets and dressers and and entertainment centers and cabinets for the bathrooms vanities also coincidentally if you ever go to st thomas more catholic church where, yeah, where we I, belong i attend uh, there I'm, often yep uh, i made the stations of the cross the is that right the 14 stations that hang on the walls and that's made out of what we coined the name pew wood because mm -hmm. it was the old pews from our former church on riverside drive sure uh they were stained dark brown dark walnut and we just put them through a planer and it was beautiful oak underneath them. So uh, uh, several other woodworkers and myself that go to the church, we all made different pieces of furniture for the church, and I happened to make the all make right. the stations out of pew wood. When I go back there uh, soon, uh, I'll double-check that. Okay. Check it out. <laughs> okay. See the, check your quality. Uh, tell me about your family, you know, your wife, uh, 
Yeah, wasn't that counsel? And she's uh, she's retired now, but you have children too. What, what's the background of the family? Okay, well, um, I met Diana uh, when I was in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, she went to school at Ohio University and got a degree in journalism. And, and uh, her first job out of college was at the newspaper in Parkersburg. And in my job, we were having a series of neighborhood meetings five nights in a row for a relocation of a, of a roadway project. And so she was there covering it those five nights for the newspaper, and I was there working it. And so we saw each other five nights in a row, and <laughs> it was enough for it to rub off, rub off I guess. So Well, great. That's a great story. Yeah. So, so it wasn't long after that, though, I had this opportunity to move back to, to this area. And uh, we were just dating. We weren't engaged or anything. But she says she'd never been to Iowa, so she'd come back and, and visit me for a few days. And, and if she could find a job at the paper, she would move here if she, if she liked yeah. it. So. Back then, the press, press citizen was on uh, Washington Street downtown, and sure. she walked in and said, I'm here visiting my boyfriend, and I'm a reporter out east, and uh, do you have a job? And they did, and they hired her. And, and uh, so and the rest is history. The rest is history. And that's really how I got my career, believe it or not, in, um, as an elected official, because back then they had more reporters than they do now, and she was assigned this, this uh, education beat. So she attended all this uh, Iowa City Community School District board meetings sure. and um, became very knowledgeable by attending all those meetings. Well, back in, I don't know what it was, would have been about 82, I think, um, the elect school board election came up and uh, Jerry Palmer was the business manager sure. back then. And Jerry said to my wife, you know, you know more than just about anybody in this community about what we do and about the school district because you, you attend all our meetings, you ought to run for school board. And she said, oh, gosh, we didn't have any kids or anything, you know. And she said, he says, that doesn't matter. Just just run. So that was our first step into as elected officials. Uh, she ran for school board and um, finished strong, but just just below uh, the first place winner. So she came in second, which was probably a blessing. So she didn't get on. I but see. but uh, she was quickly appointed to the Parks and Recreation Commission of Coralville and served on that for a year or two. And then uh, a vacancy came up on the city council and they called the, the council called on her to fill the, the empty seat on the city council. And that was, that was the beginning of our elected yeah, her, her official. Her too, yeah. yeah, so she served 15 years, so. And, and then uh, you have two children? Yep. Now, where, we have, where are they now? Okay, we have, uh, Laura is our oldest, uh, she's 33. And um, she went to uh, uh, University of Northern Iowa and got an undergraduate and then went down to Florida, uh, Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale and received a, a, a master's and a doctorate in clinical psychology. Oh. And so and she moved back to the area now and is a clinical psychologist at Meadowlark Clinic up in North Liberty. And just busier and all get out. There's yeah, a, lot of, a lot of need for mental health uh, yeah. care right these days. So she's very busy up there. Um, um, and then our son, Joe, he's 28, and he's our Hawkeye, our fourth-generation Hawkeye. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> and and, and uh, Joe uh, followed in his mom's footsteps, got a degree in communication studies and also in Spanish. He's bilingual in Spanish and, wow. and um, went, has lived in South America, Uruguay, a couple different times, um, but always seems to travel back here. And um, his true love, though, is working outdoors. And um, he's, he's about ready to launch a new landscaping company of his own. He's worked for a, a, a Ed Rindersbacher, a, a local businessman. Sure. And he worked for Ed for many, many years, and Ed's ready to retire. So they're going to kind of transition the company over to, to my son's leadership. So. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Yep. It's great to have your kids around, too. Yep. You can keep track of them. And ne neither one's married yet, so no grandkids. No yet. grandchildren. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> 
Well, now tell me about uh, on your history in Coralville. Sure. Uh, my memory was you were on the library board for a while, and you were a firefighter, a volunteer. What's what's that background? Oh yeah, all that. Um, well, the firefighter was first. Um, the um, I was again, I was working for the council of government, so I had a lot of contact with uh, then Mayor Ketchy out here, and I was in City Hall one morning here talking to Mike. Uh, about uh, transportation stuff and he up walked this gentleman and Mike says well let me introduce you to the fire chief and, and it's Russ Slade and so yeah. we just shook hands and Russ nice to meet you and that was it more or less next day Russ calls me and says you know it's nice meeting you and you look like you'd be a good firefighter have you ever thought about that so so I got my arm twisted so I was a firefighter for a number of years and you and you know, were volunteers back then right yeah we were volunteers you, you trained and then there would be a fire, they'd call you or something. Oh, yeah, How's there's it? a lot of, we could do a whole separate podcast on all the <laughs> unusual fire calls I've been on and so forth. Yeah. And, and we still, uh, Diane and I are still very involved with the Firefighter Memorial here in Coraba. Sure. We have the statewide memorial. So, um, and then uh, when I lived in West Virginia, um, because of the topography out there, they had cable TV before we did. And um, so I moved back here, and they were just installing uh, cable in Coralville in Iowa City. And they were forming, soliciting members for the Broadband Telecommunications Commission, it was called. Yeah, right. Basically the committee to oversee the, mm-hmm. the, the, the cable system. Well, I applied to be on that, uh, thinking I had experience out in West Virginia. And um, Mayor Ketchy called me and says, John, we don't need you on that. And I said, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but we do need you on the library board. And I said, well, I don't know what the board does, but I, I check out a lot of books from the library. I like right. to read. So. read yeah. <laughs> so, that yeah, that was I was served on the library board for 20 years. And, wow. Yeah, so. That's a great library I have in Coralville. Oh, it's yeah, just, wonderful. Plus, you get to share. I'm a city resident, but I can go to Coralville and use the library there. It's it's a great relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going there after we finish this podcast. Well, good. <laughs> now, I've got to ask you about uh, you and Joe Biden. My memory is when you ran for mayor, Joe may have called you. They may have watched a, a football game in your house. What's what's your Joe Biden connection? Yeah, well, that you, you that, that what you said is true. Um, the, my first election as mayor, which was in 2013, I was filling the the great shoes left behind by Jim Fawcett. Um, he was my mentor, and in fact, I was my term on the council was up then, and that was ten years on the council. And I was actually thinking about not running for council back then. Yeah. And Jim says, "Well, I need to retire, and if you'll run for mayor, I'll I'll retire." And so he that left the seat open, so I ran for that seat. And I think because it was open, it created a lot of other interest in the community, and and there was a couple other council members' uh, seats open as well, and so. Uh, a group of a slate of other candidates came in that was uh, funded by out of state from the Americans for Prosperity, the mm-hmm. Koch brothers organization, and um, they um, it, it became a very interesting race, very contentious race. And, I still remember, it, yeah, uh, it was it was, uh, it was uh, unlike any race yeah. un- we would <laughs> ever had in Coralville, and probably yeah. will never have something like it again. But the, the outshot of that was um, obviously we were successful, and at the um, uh, victory party on election night, uh, La Casa, um, we, uh, Casa Azul, I'm sorry, yeah. Casa Azul, um, my phone went off and it, the, it said unknown caller. So I, <laughs> I stepped outside because I couldn't hear in there. And I said, this is John. And he says, well, John, this is Vice President Biden, Joe Biden. Congratulations. And I, and I said, Holy well, smokes. Yeah, that's what I said. And, and I yeah. could tell by his voice that it was him, you yeah. know, and, and uh, he was he said he was just calling to he'd heard about my election and was just calling to congratulate me. And 
and wished me the best and said that, you know, outside influences like uh, Americans for Prosperity shouldn't be involved at the local level, especially right. in communities as small as Coralville. And, and uh, so we just chatted for two or three minutes. And at the end, he said, you know, if there's anything I can do, uh, just, just call on me. And so, so I thanked him a lot for that, you know, and, and uh, obviously that was November, the election. And it wasn't long after that that um, the date was announced for the annual chamber uh, trip visit to Washington. Every, every um, January, February, a delegation from Corville, Iowa City, North Liberty goes to Washington to, to make calls on our congressional offices and so forth, you know. Right. And so once that date was set, I was thought to myself, it was February 4th, I think. I thought to myself, um, you know, Vice President Biden said to stay in touch. You know, maybe maybe I should try calling on him. <laughs> what the heck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You're yeah. his friend, right? Yeah. And one thing I learned is, only thing for sure, it'll never happen unless you try. So right. I thought, I'm going to try. So I used some of my Democratic connections to find the right contact person that would actually respond, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't think emailing Vice President at the White House would probably get the response I wanted. <laughs> right. you know? So I, I got the uh, the name of his scheduler and so I called her and introduced myself and explained that I who I was and and that I was coming to Washington in a couple months and that Vice President had called me and I'd like to just shake his hand and thank him. Right. And, and and she asked me, well, now, what were, what were some of the questions you'd like to ask the vice president if you had the chance? And I was ready for that, you <laughs> yeah. know, talked about, you know, thanking him for um, uh, the federal assistance recovering from the flood and talk sure. about some of the economic development activities. And, you know, I knew that the yeah. types of things that would interest him. And and she said, well, I'm sure he'd be interested in talking with you about that. Now, what was that date again? And I told her. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, well, I'll have to check and get back to you. And I, I felt confident that she'd get back to me, but I also felt what she'd probably say, he would love to meet you, but. But, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> the but never came. She yeah. called me back and says, well, can you be at the White House at 11 o'clock on that day? And I said, you bet I can. <laughs> yeah, you can figure that, right? <laughs> and I asked if Kelly was part of the delegation, yeah. so I asked if Kelly could go with me, and she said, sure. So, of course, we went through a, a pretty elaborate background check and all that ahead of time and and showed up and, and – um, and uh, I, I called her actually before the meeting because I, I forgot to ask her how long I should plan to, to talk to him. I thought maybe five minutes, yeah. meet and greet and photo op, mm -hmm. and that'd be about it. And she says, well, you're scheduled to have 30 minutes with him, but it always goes long, so don't plan for it to go long. So, <laughs> so sure enough, we, we got, walked in, and, and um, he was first meeting with President Obama. We had to wait for, the, for him to leave. And then uh, we met in his office. You know, he has the, the fireplace was burning, and he has the two tall back upholstered chairs, and we yeah. both sat on each side of the fireplace and uh, talked for 45 minutes. And um, everything from sports to, to to economic development and everything right. in between, you know, and it just, and that was the, the bonding of our friendship ever, ever since. And then after that, I had a few opportunities to run into him at speaking engagements. One year he spoke at the National League of Cities and they got me backstage to, to reestablish my friendship with him and so forth. And then uh, most recently on, um, in the fall of 19, of course, it was the caucus time leading up to sure. the caucuses in, in early 20, 2020. And, um, he was going to be in Iowa, and that's when Iowa was scheduled to play uh, University of Southern California in the Holiday Bowl, sure. December 19th. And um, his staff um, called me, his, uh, uh, his, his, his uh, election staff, campaign staff, and said that, you know, um, thinking about maybe finding a place in Coralville, you know, that uh, could watch the football game together. And 
I jumped to the conclusion he was thinking like, you know, at the hotel, at the Marriott, sure, and, yeah. you know, or someplace. So I started calling around to see who had rooms available that night, you know, and I came, I called him back, said, well, yeah, I found several locations depending on how yeah. many people. He goes, oh, well, he said, I'm sorry, I don't think you understood what I was meant. He said, the vice president would like to come over to your house and watch it with you. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we could smokes, do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so he... Uh, he came over with about, you know, 25 of my best friends. <laughs> and, and, uh, it was fun. It was, we had a great yeah. time. And, and um, there, was, there was media there, but they were only allowed to stay 15 minutes. And there was, you know, lots of photos taken and, and video tape taken. But then um, after 15 minutes, they were all escorted out, and they knew that they would have to leave. Mm -hmm. and, and it became much more relaxed once right. it was, you know, after that. And so Just yeah. a regular Joe, huh? Just a regular Joe, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great story. He hasn't uh, called to congratulate me on my, my retirement yet, but I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> well, maybe it'll we'll, maybe we'll come out. Yeah. Yeah, have a party <laughs> for him. Have a party. <laughs> we should think about that. Well, good. Um, again, back on Corville, the things that have been accomplished, the two things I remember— uh, one of the major events was the flood, which I think was 2008. That was um, a major issue, but that's been improved a lot. And, of course, then we have the whole IRL. But back on the flood issue, uh, do you remember that? That, that was there was a lot of water yes but that's all been remedied sort of is that right yes it's just amazing the the work the, the staff did um, during the flood and then uh, very quickly after the flood uh, to design this system that we put in place and to, and to obtain state and federal and grant funding to uh, to pay for it all because as I recall it was upwards of 90 million dollars some phenomenal well, number mm -hmm. of uh, adding all the improvements together but you know in in the middle of the floods back in 1980 the engineers and consultants were you know with waders and boats taking shooting elevations of how high the water was and and they used all that information in calculating the the mitigation system so yeah it was really a, an incredible story and a, a couple years a couple times since then we've certainly haven't had that level of flood, but we've had enough that we were getting a little nervous and we had 100% confidence that the city's protected now. So that's, that's a great story. Yeah, it really is. Well, good. We should try to wrap this up pretty quick. Tell me, uh, do you have any advice about uh, your uh, tips from, from, from the mayor about life? Or I'm just so proud of the success we've had in Corville, and I think there's lots of reasons for that. Um, uh, one is our um, willingness to partner. You know, you, strange bedfellows can make really successful projects, and, and mm -hmm. um, we don't, we'll partner with anybody that makes sense as a, as a community, whether that's a religious institution, you know, sharing a parking lot or something like that. We do that with a, with a synagogue and, and, you know, volleyball yep, sure. and uh, courts next door and we share the parking lot and we've done it with other churches as well. Um, so, so partnerships is so important. Um, one of the words of wisdom that I always tell people that are newly elected uh, to their positions is always remember there's two sides to every story. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I kind of learned that the hard way. I would get a phone call from a upset constituent and and they told me what what had happened and how they felt they were wronged and I just couldn't believe it I said that's just awful you right. know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. um, we got to make this right right well then after a little more investigation you know uh through the through the, the yeah. staff and administration I find out well that's not quite quite the, quite the way <laughs> right. it, it, it unfolded yeah. you know sure so so just always remember that I think it's wise don't jump to rash decisions and so forth and right. of course be a good listener 
and uh, just enjoy what you're doing. And I, I certainly do that. Well, thanks. This has been fun. Uh, it's, uh, it's sort of sad to see you stepping down, but I'm excited for you. You'll still be around. Absolutely. You can still play a role, help, help things out. So. I have a hunch that maybe some boards and commissions might come calling, you know, or right. something like that. Well, thanks a lot. Congratulations again. Thanks, Tom. Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.